Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 10-11, it is a Tuesday, last day of October. That makes it Halloween 2023, October 31. Great to have you along on KDAL. Uh, coming up at about 25, we'll hear from the head coach of the UMD volleyball team, Jim Booz, as the Bulldogs embark on their final home weekend of the season. Southwest Minnesota State on Thursday at Romano Gym, and then Sioux Falls to wrap up the home schedule on Senior Day on Saturday. Preview that and more with the head coach in a little bit. But joining us right now, from the rinklive.com, dear friend of the radio show, Jess Myers, good morning. How are you doing, Bruce? Uh, I'm good. Sounds like you're battling a cold, which is uh, very cruel this time of year. I'm fighting a cold. Uh, the good news is I'm still in Arizona until, uh, for about another 12 hours. I came down here to do some work. and uh, So it's going to be sunny and like 85 here today, so that always helps when you're fighting cold. I'm not dealing with Halloween snow, at least not until I get home. Well, I'm not dealing with it either because by the time I get home, it'll have melted. Hopefully, that's the goal. So I'm keeping, yep. my, fi- keep, yep. keeping my fingers crossed on that because it's already up into the 30s here uh, in Duluth today. Uh, Jess, before we get to uh, some business, uh, tell me about attending an NHL game in a college arena. <laughs> hey, good crowd last night. I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Now, you've got the World Series going on here in Arizona. So... I would say of the majority of the fans last night, I was at the Blackhawks-Coyotes game at Mullet Arena, which seats uh, a little under 5,000. It's a fantastic college rink, not quite uh, an NHL rink, at least capacity-wise. But uh, I would say the majority of the fans there were probably Chicago fans, and uh, Connor Bedard scored something like 30 seconds into the game yeah. and, and got, them, uh, got them hyped up. And then uh, after that, the Coyotes scored the next eight, and the <laughs> Chicago fans didn't have much to cheer about. Oh, my. And I came, of course, uh, hoping to do a piece on Logan Cooley and, and maybe see his first NHL goal. And uh, when I talked to him after the game, I said, well, everybody except you on the team scored. So, yeah. Of course that's how it works out. But he'll score, absolutely. he'll score in their next game, though. You just watch. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to Anaheim. So, yeah, I would, I would imagine he'll, he'll light it up. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's... Fun, fun to watch. And, you know, a guy that I covered in college last year and see how his skills are, are translating to the NHL level. And man, oh man, uh, if he isn't the, uh, I'll say the Kirill Kaprizov of this franchise, there are Logan Cooley jerseys everywhere. You know, he's hyped up on the scoreboard. He is he is the face of this franchise, even at, the, you know, like 19 or 20 years old, whatever he is. It's crazy to think about that. But then Connor Bedard is 18, and he's the face of the Chicago Blackhawks. So, well, you know, it's these are brave times we live in now, man. Tried to say hi to Derek Plant after the game, but uh, as you can imagine, nobody on the Chicago side was much for for talking after an eight to one loss on the road. I think they just wanted to get on a plane and get out of here. Yeah, I can't uh, I can't imagine yeah any different for sure. Uh, just uh, reflections, any uh, any reaction to what happened with uh, to Adam Johnson over the weekend in England? Just uh, awful. Only twenty nine years old, and I know your UMV ties and and your uh, your ties to this area. I'm sure you've got a story or two. I mentioned this on social media, but I was down in Arizona at my parents' uh, retirement place down there on on Saturday when I got the news. 
And I flash back to 2017 when I was actually also in Arizona, kind of on a spring break trip with my kids, watching that uh, overtime game with BU when, when Adam Johnson scored the winning goal to send them to the Frozen Four in Chicago. And uh, my joke at the time was, I'm going to San Diego tomorrow. I've never been to San Diego before. And when I get there, I will have a hangover named Adam Johnson. So uh, so just, you know, a, a special moment that, that he was just such a clutch player and a, a great person. And, Bruce, you saw it, and I know you commented on it, but Wendy Sandlin put up a picture of yeah. Adam and Scott with a big hug after that game. And, man, if that didn't hit you right in the heart, I don't, I don't know what, the, what, what, what will. Because, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, I watched Scott Sandlin's comments from his press conference, and just so hard to see the, the raw emotion and just still kind of the disbelief that, that something like this could happen. Uh, so I was watching Scott's press conference. We aired it live here during my show yesterday. And as I'm standing here listening and watching, I grabbed my phone. And I, I, I don't even know why I jumped on Facebook. And the first thing I saw was that post from Wendy of, of Scott and Adam Johnson and that embrace. And, and that, oh, that almost got me. And and that's why I commented yep. way I, the way I commented. So then last night, um, I had seen probably mid-afternoon the Penguins had announced they were going to do kind of a celebration of, of life, uh, a tribute to Adam Johnson before the game against the Ducks. So I planned my entire evening around making sure I was on the couch at 6.04-ish when I knew they were going to be doing this. So I, we flipped that on on, on ESPN+. Plus. And they they have the players all at center ice, and they're right under the scoreboard, and they do the tribute video. I'm like this is really cool. They've done a really nice job here. And then instead of a moment of silence, they asked the fans to stand and cheer for Adam Johnson. Dude, I lost it at that point. That was that was really, that really. was that was the tipping point. I I just lost it right there on the couch. It was a great job by the Penguins. The the Coyotes game last night they went more traditional they had a moment of silence yeah. and, you know a nice a nice tribute to him on the on the scoreboard and all of that but uh, yeah I, I think it opens up the bigger debate now about you know do you uh, do you mandate some sort of neck protection right. um, this was obviously a very very fluke thing I mean you know literally millions of hockey players throughout you know millions of games. And we've had, you know, I can think of uh, maybe three or four incidents like this, and this is the first one I can remember that was a fatality. But uh, if it saves one life, you wonder if it's worth it. And if you uh, if you re- if you lose anything of the game by mandating some kind of neck protection, I know when I was a goalie in 1983, I wore a neck guard more to protect myself from getting hit in the neck by a puck. But uh, but you you wonder if that's maybe the the next wave of protection that we. I saw, saw. I forget the gentleman's name, but uh, a, a longtime equipment guy in hockey was. Uh, he spoke to the Athletic. Uh, Chris Johnston had the story yesterday at theAthletic.com, and he basically said, even if the, it, it wasn't like a Kevlar neck guard, it probably saves his life. And if it's a Kevlar yep. one, it certainly does. And and that's, I mean, that can be. If that makes all the difference, I know you know Scott talked about it yesterday. We had him in here this morning on a couple of stations, and we brought it up and. You know, it's something that the rules committee is. T- he's on the. He's of course on the ice hockey committee right now. He said they've talked about it, but and the and the the, the 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 first thought that came up was why are we waiting for something to happen? And unfortunately, as you know, a lot of times you need something to happen. Yep. 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 Absolutely. You know, I, I I think we've seen positive changes to the game, and in a lot of cases they've been they've been caused by a tragedy, but uh, but you know maybe this is the the catalyst that makes something happen that way.
Jess Myers, the rink live, our guest. We'll shift here and, and talk some hockey now. Uh, so UMD gets swept last weekend. Minnesota gets swept by Wisconsin at home last weekend. And so the first thing, of course, pops into your head is, well, here are two ornery hockey teams going at it on Friday night. And, and that, you know, that part of it is it maybe adds a little intrigue to the matchup. You know, all things being equal, I always say pick the more desperate team. Well, which one is that? You know, how do you find the more desperate team right now? The Gophers have lost three in a row after after a three and zero start, and and you know, being ranked number one in the country, they've dropped all the way to sixth now. And then, you know, not only UMD going on the road and losing a couple of games, but you know, with everything else uh, swirling around the emotions and all that, you you really wonder, you know, how how you pick the the team that's going to have the edge this weekend. I just love that they're playing again, and, and that's one thing I've got to tip the cap to to Bob Motzko and, and the folks at the University of Minnesota is that, you know, with the radical changes in college hockey in the last 15 years and the fact that you know, they're spread out in different conferences and all that, there's still been a real concerted effort made to maintain these in-state rivalries. You know, you saw the Gophers open with St. Thomas this year. They play UMD this year. You know, no games against uh, the Huskies or the Mavericks this year, but they – played Bemidji in an exhibition game and you know let's face it for for a lot of these programs it's still a pretty big deal to have the Gophers come to town or or to see that that M on the jersey kind of makes your blood boil a little bit and uh, and they respect that so uh, I'm just happy to see these teams on the ice again. I am as well and, and it's it's great to have it back and I know that uh, Minnesota North Dakota is going to take next year off sounds like they'll have a, a new deal that starts after that so I think that's a good thing and and you know I, I, I brought this up with Scott I think before the season started I you know the one thing if there's a positive to all this realignment it's that you have these options you have the ability to, to maintain these rivalries and you know you don't have you're not at the uh, the 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 what's the word I'm looking for you're not at the mercy I guess of that conference schedule where there's these leagues now are getting so bloated again that you're going to have teams rotating off so often you you might see a non-conference full like Minnesota if you're UMD more often than you see somebody like a conference full like a Denver and Arizona State now you know, it's funny, uh, you know, because I still hear a lot of the, I miss the old WCHA opinions, and that's fine. You know, the, the WCHA was fantastic hockey, and the Final Five was, was truly one of the great sporting events uh, in, in all of the game. Uh, you know, so it's okay to miss that, but I always tell people, okay, be honest, what do you really miss about the old WCHA? Because don't tell me you miss games with Colorado College and Alaska Anchorage <laughs> and Michigan Tech. You know, this, this is this is what you miss. You miss the the UMD games or the St. Cloud games or you know the the real intense local rivalries, North Dakota and Minnesota, or or you know some of, some of those. That's what you miss. And let's face it, I, you know I've told some some kind of spoiled Gopher fans this too. You you miss being the dominant team. You miss having yeah. you know Michigan Tech come to town and know you're going to win by six and and you know you're going to be in the mix for the title every year. And granted, Minnesota has done fabulously well in the Big Ten and has won I think five of the ten or six of the ten titles that they've competed for in the last decade. But you know don't don't claim that you miss everything about the old WCHA. You've got to pick and choose. Uh, have you bought? Did you buy Mike Hastings some sort of magician's hat while he was in town last weekend? My goodness, I, that, that's, I did not expect to see this happen as quickly as it has apparently at Wisconsin. Maybe Kyle McClellan was the answer all along. Maybe that's just yeah. what they needed because let's face it, Tony Granado, his biggest failing in the seven years he was at Wisconsin was they never figured out the goalie position. Even the one year they won the Big Ten, it was let's let Cole Caulfield score four goals a game and we'll figure out the rest as we go along. And uh, Mike Hastings has got the Mavericks playing. To, or excuse me, 
I'm, I'm still thinking Mavericks. I get You've it. You've got the uh, the Badgers playing some some defense, and and they're getting good goal goaltending and uh, and are scoring enough. And yeah, who knew? I mean, you know, to have them rocket into the the top five in the national polls as quickly as they can. Um, at some point, people are going to have to say this isn't a fluke any longer. This is a real thing happening. Well, that's, that's I guess, the next thing is you saw them last weekend. Uh, they swept the Gophers in Minneapolis. If, if that doesn't snap your head to attention that this team might actually be for real, I don't know what would. And the thing that impressed me most when you look at Wisconsin's roster is, you know, not only did he bring the three guys with him from Mankato that, that wanted to keep playing for Mike Hastings, and you understand that, you know, and that's kind of one nice thing about the transfer portal is if you commit to, to play for a coach and that coach goes somewhere else, you can, you can stay with that coach. But what really impressed me is all of the recruits that Tony Granato had lined up to go to Wisconsin, they all went to Wisconsin. Everybody said, we want to play for this guy. We want to be a part of this program. Um, so, so that's been a huge advantage is that he didn't really have to kind of reinvent the wheel as far as a, a recruiting class. Years like this are always goofy when, you, you know, you're a new coach and you're basically playing with somebody else's players and uh, trying to teach them a new system and all that. So, so good for Mike Hastings, good for the Badgers for being kind of instantly credible again. As we look at uh, this weekend, the Bulldogs and Gophers, uh, and the thing that, that I'm fascinated by is anytime you go from playing Bemidji State to playing Cornell to playing the Gophers, now I know I said this last year, Jess, the Gophers' defensive game was highly underrated last year. I haven't seen much of them this year. From looking, looking at some of the numbers, it looks like they've, got some, you know, they've, they've still got some defense to their game, but it, this is going to be go, like it, it's for UMD, it's going to be like a track meet compared to what they just went through the last two weekends absolutely you know when you're when you're fighting and clawing for every inch of ice like you have to do against cornell and against bemidji and, and the gophers have a good defensive game and i think one of the top goalies in college hockey and justin close you know they they're maybe getting some good news on defense that they might have mike kester back uh, for the first time this season this weekend he had an injury in the in the preseason practice that has kept him out of the lineup and that's been a huge loss and they were you know Definitely missing some stuff on defense last weekend, but yeah, this is this is a game where you throw the puck up ice. You know, we used to talk about the big ice sheet in Minneapolis. Well, they don't have that anymore. They've shrunk it down to 89 feet wide now, but it really hasn't affected the game because you know the Gophers are still going to move the puck and and throw it up ice. And you know that was actually a criticism of the Gophers in their Thursday night loss to Wisconsin last week. Is you know uh, one of the players told me we're trying to play summer hockey. Everybody's trying to score on every shift, and you have to play with a little more structure. Uh, in the Big Ten, and I think you're going to have to see against the Scott Sandlin team, you're going to have to play with some structure as well. And the atmospheres should be very good. Mariucci Arena is already sold out for Friday, and Amsoil Arena, I haven't looked, but i got to think if it's not sold out, it's going to be darn close for Saturday. And, of course, the uh, I'm, I'm sure an Adam Johnson tribute here Saturday, I'm sure the Gophers will do something on Friday just to add a little more emotion to it all too. You know, my own, my only complaint year in and year out, you know, schedule a schedule a road game in the first weekend of November because it's it's deer season opener. Come on, nobody wants to have to have to give up their hockey tickets because they're going to be at deer camp. Come on, this is this is tough stuff. Uh, it's a little simple scheduling. Have, have the Gophers like at, at Ohio State or something like that on this weekend. You know, save the save the Bulldog Gopher rivalry for later. I have had to drive to Grand Forks, North Dakota, St. Cloud. I want to see even Bemidji. On the Friday before the deer opener, I am more than happy to be going to the Twin Cities, which will be, I'm sure, the opposite direction where most people are driving on Friday afternoon. You will see a lot of uh, 
car trucks pulling trailers, a lot yep. of blaze orange headed north when you're uh, when you're on the freeway. I guarantee you, and and uh, I'll be one of those guys eventually, hoping to get to to deer camp before too long here this weekend. Good to catch up, Jess. I'll see you on Friday at the rink. Sounds great. Take care, Bruce. All right, Jess Myers, the rink live. TheRinkLive.com. He covers gopher hockey, but we don't hold it against him because we like him. 1027, Bulldogs and Gophers. Coverage at 6.30 Friday from 3M Arena at Mariucci. I'm sorry it's still weird here on KDAL 1027. Jim Booz after the news on the Bruce Siski Show. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. We'll talk Minnesota football after this. How much can you save when you shop Cub? Let's just say you might need a bigger cart. We've lowered prices, so you save more. On Essential Every Day, it's easy to see the savings. Across the aisles, from pantry products, to frozen foods, to delicious dairy, and more. Your family will love it, guaranteed, or your money back. Shop Cub and save today. My Cub, my way. See store for details. The 5-3 University of Minnesota football team has won two straight games and will now host Illinois on Saturday. Golden Gopher head coach P.J. Fleck says his team is making progress each week. We go back to the beginning of the year. We're talking about this word poise, but, you know, a lot of you were asking me coming off the Iowa game, you know, are you worried about this team, you know, um, you know, thinking they've got to figure it out? No, we need this team to think they, you know, th- that they can do it all the time. You need to push that confidence forward. Um, but also they've already been humbled, so you know that, but you got to get this team to be really confident. And I think you watch a defensive line that's playing at a high level and playing confident and understanding them and how they work within the system. And I think beginning of the year, especially with some of the inexperience that we had, it's not only just not doing your job, probably the best you could do it, but trying to do somebody else's job. And what happens when you try to do that and what happens? So um, just see them really coming together. Uh, they're a fun group to be around. They really are. Um, you know, they work their tail ends off. And, and, and Coach Winston deserves a lot of credit for that because he pulls that out of them every single day, and they want to give that every single day. That's go for football coach P.J. Fleck. This Saturday's game kicks off at 2.30. There are tickets remaining for the game at gophersports.com. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. Take us with you on your mobile with the free KDAL radio app. It's all I listen to. We'll come back here in a little bit. Talk some volleyball. UMV wrapping up its home schedule this weekend. As the regular season winds down in the Northern Sun Conference, a topsy-turvy NSIC season for UMD. The Bulldogs are home one more time this week. We'll preview it. Head coach Jim Booz joins after a CBS News update. It's 10:34 on KDAL. The Bruce Siski Show. You know what? I didn't want to play this card. Certainly not this early. But guess what? Guess who's got the Subaru Impreza? Me. Guess who's got all the money? Me. Guess who's got a winning personality? Me. What do you have? You have a nice hairline. Fine. You have a strong jaw. Fine. But I got to tell you something, Mister. Your personality needs some work. On 610 and FM 103.9 KDAO. 10:39, sunshine outside, breezy, chilly. 27 atop the hill, 31 superior, 30 downtown wind chill, 14 degrees at this hour. At least the snow stopped. I don't know. What are you gonna do? Uh, tomorrow, UMV football offensive coordinator Chase Vogler later on this week. Uh, Gophers hockey coach Bob Motzko and more. 
on the old radio show. Stay tuned weekdays 10 to 11. Uh, joining us now, head coach of the UMD volleyball team, Jim Booz. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? We're doing good. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Happy Halloween. I, I, Happy I, Halloween to you guys. I don't know if that's a thing you guys celebrate or not. We did, actually, Friday because of our weekend off, which is really rare during the regular season to have a weekend off. But with Upper Iowa gone, uh, there's weekends where teams are lone wolves. It happened to be the weekend we played the lone wolf, Winona. So our match got moved to Wednesday last week. We played Wednesday, and we got to practice Thursday, Friday, um, and they had the weekend off. So we did a Halloween practice on Friday in full costume. So my guess is that's the that's the practice film you want to send to your upcoming opponents so that they think you're just weird. Well, sure. I mean, Duh. we had we had a couple Shreks out there. How do you defend two Shreks? Right. Exactly. They'd be all sorts of confused. So that'd be that, that'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, the season to this point, we haven't, we haven't chatted in a while. I said I feel like I haven't watched your team play in about three months. I think uh, Hall of Fame that was the last time I got to watch your team play. Uh, I, I know up and down, and, and like we were talking off air, just very weird, uncharacteristic struggle at home. Yeah, it's been a, an odd year. I think, you know, coming into the year, there was a lot of kind of anticipation that we're turning as many players as we did. There was that chance that we would kind of jump right where we were and, and move forward and, and even build off of who we were last year. And, you know, the concern was always you lose players that provide things that maybe aren't measurable in terms of the on-court stuff as much as they are behind the scenes and the way you just run and, and operate as a group. And, you know, I think we undervalued maybe how important Sid Lanou was to the chemistry and the leadership of what we did as a group. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's just translated into us not being as consistent as we wish we would be. You know, some of the matches we've lost, we've been right there with chances to win or to change results and, and just haven't gotten it done in some of the big moments where we've just been a little too error-prone or just unable to make the big play in the big moment. And we've done a better job of that on the road, a good win at Winona this past Wednesday, which helped us out a bunch. But, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting season for sure. Can you put your finger on why the struggles have been at home or is it just, just the way things have worked out? Because it, it, you've always been a really good home team. Yeah, I, I wish I could say I could, but I, I can't. I mean, crowds have been good. Support's been good. we got a bunch of students, athletes there, you know, rallying behind us and trying to provide us energy. And for whatever reason, we just haven't been able to uh, get over the top of some of the tight matches we've played at home. You know, losing to Wayne State at home, I'm not too bothered by that one. Everyone's lost to Wayne State. Losing to Concordia at home, not too bothered by that one. Everyone's lost to Concordia. But, you know, the other three matches in, in conference play that we've lost at home are matches that we are right there with a chance. And I don't know why. We just haven't been able to get it done in those tight moments. I, maybe, and uh, you, I think we talked right after the Northern State weekend where you had the uh, eight match points, I think it was, that night, and, and, and you couldn't close the deal, and they ended up winning in five. I guess that that's kind of been a microcosm in some respects, right? Absolutely. I mean, against Augustana, you know, a couple sets where there were two-point sets, and then we win pretty handily in set three and four, and you get to the fifth set. And as we know in volleyball, fifth set, that can go any direction depending on momentum, and it didn't go the right direction for us. And then Mankato, same thing. Uh, you know, we had a chance to to go up 2-1 and just couldn't close the door when we had a chance to close it. And, you know, you always credit your opponents. I mean, those teams all played really well in our gym against us. And, you know, for whatever reason, we've brought the best out of some of the teams that we've played this year um, when we've played them at home. But at the same point in time, we've also 
failed to capitalize when we've had some opportunities, and that's something that uh, we continue to work on. We did it on Wednesday against Winona after dropping the first set, came back and really grinded and worked hard and played with energy and, and really executed at a much better level than we did previous weekend. And so hopefully that carries over into this home weekend here. Talking to UMD volleyball coach Jim Boos, Deanna Salvichka is up over 1,000 career kills now. She reached that number in that Winona match last week. Her uh, number so far, a 246 hitting percentage, would be a career high if she can maintain it. And tell me about the season that she's had so far for you with hopefully a lot more left to play. Yeah, a critical component of what we do in all aspects. Uh, one of our primary serve receivers and has done a really nice job there has really matured as a, a ball control serve receiver for us. Offensively, you know, one of the heavier arms we have in our gym and is, you know, on the outside. So she's an outlet. She's going to get a lot of opportunities. Some are going to be good ones. Some are going to be some junk that you got to throw out there when the ball's not in system. And, uh, you know, she's been able to be a little bit more efficient with. You know, her decision-making and her execution, you know, previous seasons, she's been a little bit more error-prone, and and uh, that has hurt her hitting percentage. She's better with that this year and and uh, continues to improve with her shot selection and her ability to, to mix things up uh, on the outside for us. Not the only milestone that you've hit this year. Grace Dake also uh, reaching a milestone in her Bulldog career as uh, she, uh, was it uh, 300 blocks, I think I'd seen, that she's now hit for her Bulldog career, which is a very impressive number. Yeah, puts her in the top 10 in all-time Bulldog volleyball, which uh, given the success that this program has had both you know, during the time I've been here but even pre- previous to me with some of the other coaches, Patty Rolfe and, and Linda Larson and some before that, you know, to, to creep into the top 10 in blocking just shows uh, you know, the impact she's had, us, had for us at the net. Um, she played a really good match for us at Winona. Offensively, probably was our best player that night, which is exciting because it's been a year where offensively we just haven't been able to get that middle production to be as consistent as we'd like. Um, and I thought her and Madison Gordon really connected that evening. And then, you know, you add to it that she broke that block uh, barrier to get into the top ten. And, you know, a big milestone for her for sure. I, uh, and that's it's such a big part of, of, uh, of the offense, having to be the ability to diversify and not just have one player. Madison can get that ball too. And, and yeah, I think like you said, it, it – it's been weird because the, the matches I've seen, it, it, the, you've had one player there, or maybe even two or three of them, but they haven't all been there at the same time a whole lot this year. Correct. Yeah, I mean, early on in the year when we started off, we played a really good match at Ferris State, who's remained in the top 20 all year long. Um, you know, that match was one of those matches where we had all five attackers going and rolling and they were efficient and it made us very challenging to defend and you know that type of energy that we played with that execution and efficiency level that kind of felt like that was the direction we were headed this year and then unfortunately you know we just haven't been able to sustain that consistency night in night out um, obviously, some of that's always going to boil down to your ability to control the ball, but we've been fairly good, knock on wood, in that department. And so, you know, offense has really been our focus here this last week, week and a half. I think we were better Wednesday against Winona. We're going to need to be better again this weekend. Southwest Minnesota State on Thursday night at Romano Gym at 6. Uh, you know, this is an, another really good NSIC opponent. Southwest had some real quality wins, already over 20 on the year. Thoughts on the Mustangs matchup on Thursday? Yeah, it's a matchup that we just played not that long ago down there. And, uh, you know, first set, we jumped out really well. We're efficient, defended well, 125 to 16, I believe. And then, uh, you know, the, the 
coin flipped and second set I think we lost 25-18 and then that third set was one of those where you're at 22 all you got to find a way to score a couple big points at the end we didn't get it done uh, ended up losing in four but the two teams match up as fairly even they're a very aggressive um, offensively balanced and you know, energy-driven team. They defend really, really well. They're scrappy. They put pressure on you from the service line. So it's just a hard team to play because they don't give you any air. Um, you're going to have to do uh, a lot of work on the defensive end to keep things going. But, you know, we went through the box score of that match and compared notes, you know, what they did to what we did. It was about as even as it can get with the exception of their setter, uh, is aggressive. She's an attacker, and we didn't do a good job defending her. And then from the service line, they were just a little bit more uh, effective and efficient, um, and that was probably the difference in the match. So we got to be able to handle their tough serving and, in turn, uh, challenge them a little bit better than we did at their place. I understand that that's the focus right now. Saturday, though, senior day, Sioux Falls on Saturday, 4 o'clock at Romano Gym. Uh, a Cougars team that right now you're fighting with for, for that, you know, those last couple spots in the NSIC tournament. Yeah, and it's a really talented team that has played a very tough schedule. Um, you know, the Northern Sun schedule is very challenging, so they find themselves at, you know, just below 500, but it's not an indication of where they are from a talent standpoint. Um, if you look at their regional RPI, they're in the top 15 of our region out of 38 teams. So even though the record doesn't indicate it, they've they've been a very good team here the last several years. They returned the majority of their lineup from last year. Uh, their two middles are super physical, hit a heavy ball. They've got a really talented outside in Sadie Voss, um, who's from the Lakeville area and or um, the Jackson area and does a really nice job for them. Uh, on the outside, it's just a, a talented, scrappy, good team. We went there, played really well that night against them down there in one and three, but uh, certainly expect a battle. And, you know, you always want to send your seniors out on a high note. And so, you know, that's you know going to put a little bit of extra pressure on the group, knowing that that's that last home match that you're likely going to have, especially in the regular season for sure. And, you, you know, you want to play well and do things that you need to take care of, and yet you find yourself in a... <laughs> A battle to try to be in the the conference tournament, which is you know where we find ourselves. It's a unique situation where you know we're in the mix from a regional ranking standpoint, and yet we're also in the mix of missing our conference tournament. Very, very weird year uh, across the board, and and we find ourselves right in that muck. Got about a minute left here with Jim Booz. You you've got some fourth year seniors who are eligible. This is the last fourth year senior group that'll be eligible for a fifth year with the COVID year. For for you on the Division Two side, have these conversations already happened, or is that kind of put off until until closer to the end of the year? How's that work? Yeah, I mean, in some cases, it's taken a little bit longer than others, but we know, uh, you know, where we stand in terms of our our group of outgoing players versus who's coming back again, including those seniors that are going to come back for another year. So we we know where we stand from that perspective and and feel good moving forward there. Um, But it certainly made it interesting and challenging for, you know, all programs across the country and you know, I, the challenge will be next year when we're not only going to graduate those seniors who come back, but also that class that is designed to graduate there. That's going to be a really large graduating class for us, and and that's a challenge that you just there's no way you can prepare for that. We've never traditionally graduated classes larger than four, maybe five, because that's kind of how it's traditionally been designed to work. And that's going to be a graduating class of like seven, and that you know that's hard to maintain the consistency of your program when you have that steep of a cliff so looking ahead of 25 it gets a little bit more interesting we'll get young but next year we're in a good spot all right very good appreciate your time as always good luck this weekend looking forward to seeing you play again thursday 
All right, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, Jim Booz, head coach, UMB volleyball team. Thursday, 6 p.m. versus Southwest Minnesota State, and then Saturday at 4, Senior Day against Sioux Falls. UMVBulldogs.com for tickets. 10.51, wrap it up in a moment. Bruce Siski Show, 610-103.9 KDAL. KDAL. That's pretty much my news. Streaming live on the KDAL mobile app. 10.59 as we wrap things up on this Tuesday. We're back with you tomorrow at 10. Bulldog football team off a tough loss to Bemidji, getting ready for senior day against Concordia St. Paul at Miloski Stadium Saturday. Get an update on the Bulldogs from offensive coordinator Chase Vogler. He'll be with us on the radio show tomorrow. Later on this week, Gophers coach Bob Motzko and Minnesota Wilderness head coach Colton St. Clair as well. Sound off. Coming up next, Brad Bennett, Kenny Callagher after the news. Thank you for listening. Have a great Tuesday, all right? This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no, well, no, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What'd you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. For more than 80 years, KDAL 103.9, W28FBFM, and 610 KDAL, Delusive Superior, a Midwest communication station. KDAL.